very good morning to you. Welcome in to the programme on this Tuesday morning. Keith filling in with you at 12 midday. We've got some concerns over roadworks in the Parkmore Estate and how long they're going to take. Also looking, and if you are struggling with substance misuse, we have some help for you today. We're also looking at uh, having a disability and being treated totally differently. Also, the shortage of GPs needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed fairly urgently. Goligar, they need your assistance as well. They have a number of issues. Uh, going by bike to Cheltenham. Tis a long way. And also we look at trending topics, we look at sport. And Sean Kane joins us in studio for music. All of that and more between now and 12 midday. A very good Tuesday morning to you. Now, if you do want to get in contact with us today, very simply, you can do so to 086 That's 086 And a huge thank you, by the way, to the people of Mulya for the uh, wonderful reception and wonderful programme we had there uh, last Friday. Well done to all of the team down there. They were absolutely brilliant, and I hope that they had a wonderful night in the Medicourt uh, for their annual uh, ball, their annual get-together. Uh, but we wish them the very best of luck. But they were just superb to the very end. We left with cups of tea. They were that good. And uh, But thank you to each and every one of them and to all the participants as well. And the mummers and the sports people and the codgers and everything that happened down there. Uh, it's all up online on galwaybfm.ie. If you want to get further details on it, you can do so. Just go to galwaybfm.ie. Go to listen back. Uh, you'll see my, my head photograph. And then what you do is you go from there and you click on it and then go back to Friday and you can listen to it uh, for the 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock hour. Now, though, I want to go to uh, an issue and a problem that came across our desk uh, this morning. Cobble City Council have uh, just released, indeed, um, the Parkmore Bus Priority Scheme, a newsletter. It's issue number one. And I'm joined on the line by Councillor Mike Crow, who joins me on the line. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. Thanks for joining us. Now, we're talking here about... Um, this goes from, say, the roundabout where the spar shop is there that you can get into the industrial estate there, all the way down to the roundabout, uh, all the way down to the traffic lights, which are on the um, Monavay Road there. Yes, that's right. We, uh, councillors were notified on um, Friday evening, late Friday evening, actually, um, half five uh, Friday evening last year in the bank holiday weekend. It's an unusual time to get. Uh, such such an email, but nevertheless, um, that that can be discussed in another forum. Um, of this, Keith, the, what's what's called the Parkmore Bus Priority Scheme, as you rightly stated, um, and essentially what the plan here is is to, is that between the Monavay Road Junction at the lights there, just beside Western Motors, right up to the roundabout in Parkmore Business Park, so just past the spar shop there, we'll say. Um, is to do a significant upgrade of that stretch of road. Um, I suppose the main outcome being that there will be one bus lane um, which will run from um, the roundabout in the business park out to the Monavay Road Junction. Um, we are also notified that it will include other uh, other matters such as an upgrade to the Monavay Road signalised junction itself and also um, that there will be the construction and installation of six bus stops and four new signalised pedestrians crossings along that stretch, along with new footpaths on both sides. Now, I don't doubt... Just, just to be clear on this one, sorry, Councillor I mean, this is going to be on both sides of the road. So there's Well, the bu- for clarity, absolute clarity, the bus lane will only be on one side of the road. Okay. Um, going the which way, run, then? Going it, will, in- it will run from the... the 
business park out to the Munavay Road, so effectively from the roundabout out um, on the south side, if you like, uh, out onto the to so as, as you're exiting Briar Hill, uh, the, the 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 park more uh, business park. That's the way it'll run. So there will be no inbound bus lane on this scheme, at least. Okay. Um, so so it's the outbound is to get people out. So it is. So that that'll be on the left hand side as you head towards the Monavay Road then. Yeah, it would run the, the, that, that small horseshoe state state yeah. there. That's the, that's the Valley Valley Crescent. Crescent. It yeah. would run parallel to that and parallel to the to, all the way out to the junction. Okay. So uh, an outbound so, bus lane, I suppose, is the best way to describe it. So what's your concern um, then? Is your concern the timing that this is going to take? It's nine hundred meters in length, and it's going to take a year to do. That's what we've been told. Um, well, that's what the is, document says. Uh, pardon? That's what the document says. It's going to be Q one twenty twenty five. Exactly, it, it does say that, um, and uh, it, the, the length is in around 900 metres. Um, I appreciate that it's a significant amount of work. Um, I appreciate also, Keith, that it needs to be done and that it will add a significant benefit to the area. However, I fail to understand um, how, we'll say, to do the, the works required over 900 metres can take over a year. Um, and that's what we're being told at the moment. Um, so that's my real concern. And, and the document also makes clear that um, even at this stage, uh, that, that would say that all parties involved acknowledge that the works will cause disruption. So I suppose that's a concern in itself that, that they're already getting out the fact that there will be issues um, with regard to traffic and all of that. And it starts on February the 19th. Um, so that's, I think, this day four, or we'll say, we'll say Monday week. Um, and then it, as as we're notified at the moment, it's to run to what's described as Q1 2025. So yeah. it, there's a lot of leeway there. Up to the end of March, have, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I, as I said, when we got the email um, late Friday evening, um, obviously the, the officials in Galway City Council were, were not working for the weekend, or certainly the, the, the ones relevant to this scheme. Um, and it, uh, but however, I immediately went back to them and said, um, can you clarify or explain to me how, we'll say, such a short length of road um, can, is going to take up to a year to complete these works? Because, as we know, Keith, it's probably one of the busiest 900 metres of road in the city, whether you're walking, cycling or, or, yeah. or in the Vega. Um, and I'm very conscious of all the employees that work in the area and also as conscious and more conscious of the residents that live in the area, both will say in Ballybrick Crescent, but also in Coolock and along with say Briar Hill in general. Okay. Um, and come back. I'm just looking for re- Yeah, okay. Come back to me then. Come back with me for one second, please, if you don't mind. Uh, the situation is that I'm going back six years now at this stage and there was many meetings held and Brendan McGrath was uh, chief executive at the time and there was many meetings held with all of the multinationals and their employees and all of that to get this bus lane in place so they could get out as quickly as possible so they could get into town or go wherever they were going to do, go from there. It's taken the good to six years to get it to here. Well, it has, and um, I, I don't know what is, it's got to here, to be honest, because as I said, the most frightening thing from my point of view, and I don't say that likely, is the, the length of time this is going to take. Um, and, and I suppose I have to be honest, as a lay person, in the sense of, of a person with limited engineering experience, might be a better way to put it, I, 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 I don't know how it can take this long. But I, obviously, I will get clarity on that matter either today or, or, or tomorrow. Um, and 
the, the, we'll say we, we all, we're all aware, certainly the people around Galway are aware, we'll say the 402 and the 409 buses, which are very, very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a lot of people that will say travel from um, the county and that travel from beyond the county into Parkmore every day to work. Um, and no matter what we do with bus lanes, those people cannot get a bus and they're obviously going to be affected as well. Okay. So my, my, the, the biggest concern I have is the is the length of time it, it, it's going to take. I've no doubt when it's com- completed, it would make a, a very positive difference to the area and to the people in the area and to people getting in and out of the area. Okay. Um, but it's the length of time of 12 months for 900 metres that is baffling as of we speak this morning. Somebody just sent in a text here and said, uh, Keith, the bus lane needs to be on the other side of the road as well to get people to work on time as well. It's just not going to work uh, in one way. And uh, other calls coming in there too. Keith, you need to get somebody from the council on uh, to explain what's going on there. And another caller said, uh, Keith, to the councillor say, and there's going to be six bus stops in the 900 metres in that short distance on one side, and there's nobody walking anymore. Another big waste of money, this caller uh, said from there. Yeah, well, I, cert- I certainly agree with the, 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 a lot of what's said there. But also, I thought initially myself that that, that we'll say, the, because of the length of time, I think, um, that there would be two bus lanes. But then when I read the detail of it, um, it's fairly obvious and clear from the document that there's only going to be one bus lane, which is, as I said already, outbound. Um, so, um, so, so I'm looking. So, I'm looking at the color map on it here, Councillor Crow, and, and I. So I, I can see there's, there's there's two kind of colors on it. There's one on the left hand road coming towards the Monavir Road, and there's one on the left hand side going up to the um, that roundabout that we're talking about. So is that a, is that an extended pathway, or is it a cycleway, or something on the left hand side going up? Yeah, they're going to they're going to put in new footpaths, uh, the length of the the nine hundred meters, and also cycleways. Um, and uh, as I said, then the bus lane on the outbound only. So, um, and, and some would say what might be described as, as almost a traffic calming measure as you go into Ballybridge Crescent. Um, uh, so to to slow cars, co- to vehicles, if you like, going in and out of there. So um, it will enhance the area, no doubt. But um, it's as I said already, I suppose it's the fact that one there's only one bus lane, but two then the length of time that, that this is apparently going to take that's that's the issue. So okay. it's due to start on, on Monday uh, Monday week, the 19th February. Uh, I, uh, there's already um, VMS signs around the area locally warning people of um, of delays, etc. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they, they do the traffic plan. What'll be more interesting, Keith, is that, and to your listeners, is that the information I received back in the next day or so with regard to why exactly it's going to take a okay. year. Um, and it's also highlighted in the document that there would be some nighttime work uh, involved to hopefully minimise it further. But look, we'll watch the space and we'll see what information comes back on it. Okay, Keith, uh, this caller said, read new bus lane plan. I hope that all the work will be done uh, at night time between 8pm and 6am, long summer evenings, etc. Also, can uh, the lane not go back um, behind the Horseshoe Cottages? That's um, Ballybrick Crescent there. And uh, there's two bus lanes needed and not one. And why not just go behind the cottages altogether? And uh, another caller said uh, today to us, uh, good morning, Keith. Uh, this uh, caller said, it just says here, Keith, my crow is long enough in uh, Galway City Council to know how long it takes to get jobs done. Big problem getting employees. Uh, remind my crow that it's over 25 years waiting for an answer for the ring road and uh, we're still waiting, which is brings us back to that and we're still waiting for onboard plan order to make a decision from there. Councillor Crow, yeah, keep in contact. I'd like w- to remind your listener that um, Mike Crow needs no reminding about the ring road and is very supportive of it um, and hopefully we'll have an answer on it uh, sometime this year. 
Before I let you go, by the way, uh, Barry Cowan going for the European elections, um, that could trigger uh, a by-election, so it could in his constituency. Are you supporting him? Absolutely. Um, I was in Athenry yesterday. Um, we had three uh, three fine candidates, Senator Lisa Chambers from Mayo, Senator Niall Blaney from Donegal, and uh, Barry Cowan, obviously, from Leash Offaly. Um, the it, it was tight in the end um, the, the uh, between Barry Cowan and Niall Blaney um, and Barry got over the line I think by about 70 odd votes um, uh, and he, he's a formidable candidate um, I, we met him recently at a, locally at a meeting in the Trappers uh, in on the Tumor Road there last week um, and he has some good vision for the area um, I'm hopeful that uh, we'll say that Barry will get elected um, and uh, I will be supportive of both him and, and and any other Fianna Fáil candidate that, that, that might be run. I presume, and I don't know, um, that there'll be a second candidate added because uh, it would, would make political sense. So that's for uh, the, the, the powers to decide. But as we speak this morning, Barry has been selected uh, by the party in, the, okay. in a massive a massive area. Um, and um, we, we wish him well and we'll we certainly do all we can to get him over the line. Where was that selection convention again? There was voting in four areas yesterday, Keith, one being at the Marai, uh, one being in Sligo, one being in, in uh, Navin, and then the count was held last night in Mullingar. So all of the boxes were ba- were brought back to the Mullingar, Mullingar Park Hotel, um, and there was uh, they were audited, and the voting was done there. And uh, that's where the that's where um, the, um, the the count was held, and that's where Barry was formally nominated. And also, it was great to see his brother, uh, former Taoiseach and Fianna Fáil leader Brian Cowan, present in the Mullingar Park Hotel last night, uh, looking well. And um, no doubt, as I said, everybody in the party will be wishing Barry well over the next number of months. All right, Councillor Crow, thank you indeed for joining us uh, today. Keith, this uh, caller said, and again, get your text into the 0863833553. I just come out of the Galway Clinic after dropping my dad off. Uh, dual carriage with gridlock all the way to Dunn's. It's 9.20am. Forget bus lanes and get complete fix of roads first. The bypass is needed, as a lot of us have no bus route uh, in rural uh, County Galway, this caller said. <laughs> Now, very good morning to you. Any of you that are listening to us uh, today that um, are family members right across the west coast of Ireland, if you're struggling with substance misuse or you have a family member, uh, just give us your attention for the next couple of minutes, if you don't mind. I'm joined in the studio by uh, Maria Power, who's Drug and Alcohol Family Support Coordinator with the Western Regional Drag, uh, Drug and Alcohol Task Force and by Detective Inspector, indeed, Brendan Carl uh, from Angarthia Con, and they both uh, join me today. Morning to both of you. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, today. Um, I suppose I'll start with you, Brendan. First off, um, is this a major problem out there? Uh, good morning, Keith. It is indeed. Um, we are seeing more and more um, people that are getting into serious difficulty um, with alleged uh, drug debts and drug debts because of drug use. Um, and I suppose just to give you a background to it, uh, drug-related intimidation basically occurs when a criminal or criminals uh, target people who they say owes them money and possibly does owe them money and they set about intimidating them or family members uh, to provide that money for them. And is it very common? I would have to say from from my experience to date it's something that's getting more common. Maria, can I bring you in there if you don't mind from um, your point of view then, have you come across this? Yes, um, I suppose as a drug and alcohol family support worker, we support family members who are impacted by substance misuse. So they can come to us for a variety of supports, 
Um, some might be just looking for information. Some might be looking for um, information on services for their loved one, treatment options. Some family members might want um, support for themselves around their coping strategies. Um, and some of them do come looking for support around drug-related intimidation where they have been targeted themselves to pay a debt for their loved one um, who is in active drug use. Mm. Can so, I just ask in relation to, I mean, let's just kind of draw a line in it that somebody's taking drugs and they owe somebody money. Mm-hmm. Like, sir, Inspector Carl just said it there as well. It, it's on the up. It is on the up. Um, we, It's something that we hear lots about, you know, from, from talking with families. It's something that sometimes family members might not come to us with that reason, but when we ask about it, is it is something that's going on. So mm-hmm. it's something that's really difficult for family members to talk about or for people experiencing intimidation to talk about. There can be a lot of shame and stigma about it. There can be lots of fear. Like People are really scared um, that something terrible is going to happen somebody within their family if, if if they don't pay or if they don't carry out what um, the criminals are asking them to carry out. And Inspector Carl, can I go to you? I mean, this intimidation then, I mean, is it the threat that if you don't pay the debt, if it's the person themselves or their family members, um, is it very heavy-handed? It is, Keith. Um, I suppose initially it's the it's the, the drug user and it, it'll normally move on to the family member and that's because... I suppose a family member is possibly more vulnerable. In a lot of cases, um, we would have seen where there may be significant drug debt and a family member may have absolutely no idea what's going on Mm. until they receive a text or a phone call or a call to the house. Um, There's a great problem for for people who are, um, you know, find themselves in this situation in that they feel that by coming to the Gardaí or coming to Maria that they're going to incriminate their loved one. And while it is accepted that the person may have drug issues, um, certainly it's not something we look at that they're going to be incriminating themselves. We would encourage people to come forward. Um, The one thing they can be assured of when they come forward to us is confidentiality. Um, Again, as I said earlier, there's no pressure on people to make a complaint. Some people feel that they have to make a complaint in writing to the Gardaí. if they want the matter fully investigated to a conclusion where these people are going to be brought before the courts and that is something we certainly will not be found wanting in if a complaint is made to us, we will investigate it fully and we will ensure that these people are brought to justice in relation to this horrible crime. But if it's a thing that people feel that they cannot make a complaint or they don't wish to make a complaint, they will still be given the support, advice and confidentiality they require. So when you say bringing this to court, you're talking about bringing the perpetrators of the of the threats and the abuse. You're talking about those that are demanding the money from the family member or indeed uh, the user themselves. Um, you're talking about bringing them to court then? That is correct, Keith. And there's, a, there's a variety of ways in which this intimidation occurs. Uh, damage to property, threats of damage to property, assault. And there, there are now are, uh, a number of... Um, even new legislation we have in relation to harmful communications where people are being sent uh, images and uh, communication, things like that. Um, there's there's a, a number of different offences, harassment, that we can uh, prosecute people under in relation to this intimidation. 
It must be, and both of your mics are open, but it must be, Maria, it must be horrific for family members, not perhaps knowing that the person is taking drugs, but then they get the call looking for the money Mm -hmm. and frightens the absolute living daylights out of them. And then the concern for the family member. Absolutely. And it can be really complex um, because the family member, I suppose, you know, we all are within family systems and we hate the thoughts of anyone within our family being hurt. And I suppose, you know, initially you think, I'll do whatever it, it takes to protect them. Um, you know, and if, if you have a son or a daughter coming to you saying, if I don't pay this money, then they're threatening to beat me up or they're, you know, they're, they, they could be threatening anything. The initial response is, I'll do what I need to do. However, sometimes by responding or by paying or by doing what what is reco- asked of them at that time, what often happens is this cycle begins so the person demanding the money knows, okay, well, look, at this family can pay up. So they've paid, say, for example, a thousand euro. We'll hit them up again in a few weeks for a thousand euro because we know that they can pay up and it, it kind of keeps that cycle going. Um, or I suppose what has happened before, looking at people who get involved in, um, in say, taking the drug use and working up a drug debt, it could amount to, say, 2,000 euro. And they could mm-hmm. be told, okay, well, look, at instead of, paying 2,000 euro, how about we we cut it down to 1,000 um, and, for, you know, in exchange of that, you need to go to such a place and pick up a bag and hang on to that for a few days and then we'll pick it up again. Like, kind of sounds like an easy task and mm. it can be quite tempting. And then that person gets caught with firearms or money or drugs and they themselves get criminalised then for that. So it can be really difficult, you know, in kind of steering, knowing the best thing to do in that situation when somebody is being intimidated. Do I pay? Do I get involved in criminal activity? And I suppose when you're stressed and when these things are happening within your family, it can be difficult to think mm. logically about it. Well, Sergeant, uh, Inspector Carl, I'm still calling you Sergeant. I'll get into the inspectors a little shortly. Um, but um, from, for the families in question that find themselves in this position, um are there vast amounts of money involved? I mean, a thousand or two thousand is still a lot of money for a lot of people. Or where do they get the money from, or where does it try and get the money from? Well, I suppose, Keith, um, you know, when we talk about amounts of money, absolutely, there are some significant amounts of money um, being sought by criminals intimidating people. But for somebody who has no money, a small amount of money can be a large amount An of awful money. Lot, yeah. And clearly, uh, those those criminals involved in this activity. They will target people who they know will respond. And as Maria rightly said there, they will continue to pursue those who pay them. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I want to make it clear, we can't advise people not to pay. Uh, that is so, a decision they make themselves. Again, if they pay um, and have paid, it is no reason for them not to come forward to us. It's no reason. It doesn't mean that we can't conduct a prosecution down the line. That is of no relevance. But what I would say is... Uh, People, people have been forced to sell property. People have been forced to go to credit unions. The, the activity of those people is extremely sinister. The pressure that is put on, in particular, relatives of drug users. And again, as Maria said, where there's an issue with regard to being the ability to pay, what they find happening is that the drug user or the family will be requested to hold uh, drugs for a certain length of time store drugs, okay. deliver the drugs and they now have found themselves in this cycle and I suppose to reiterate that 
while they may pay a certain amount and then there'll be additional for, for failing to pay on time. Mm. You will not get out the, the, this debt because if you're paying to those people, the debt never ends because you're useful to them. Because they'll, they'll just keep coming back looking for they more and more They will keep coming back. They will continue to come so, back. So is it important that, and again, for, is it important that they go to the Garda Shikana or confide in the community guard or otherwise with a view to, first off, their own personal safety and secondly, perhaps trying to get these people to go away? Absolutely, Keith. And if they come to us, as I say, they, they will, they, it'll be full confidentiality and we will be in a position to advise them in relation to their own personal safety. We have a crime prevention officer who will visit them. We can meet them formally or informally. And we can also give them information into in relation to the relevant services that mm-hmm. their loved one who has a drug issue can go to and, and, and to Maria's people in relation to it. And can I ask you just, and maybe it's not a fair question, if you can't answer it, don't answer it, but the loved one in question that's causing this, this situation for the family in question, can they be protected or are they subject to conviction as well. Um, every 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 case is looked on as you know individually. Yeah. Certainly, if somebody is coming to us in relation to a level of, of any level of drug intimidation, and they're prepared to tell us that it is their loved one, we look at that in a in a very um, careful manner, and we make no decision. And certainly, it isn't the case that any person who would come to us would end up being incriminated based on a complaint made to us in relation. To a drug intimidation. That's very reassuring. Really, is very reassuring for the families. Well, mm. at this moment, our concern is the welfare of the drug user, and in particular, the family members who are being subjected to unbelievable torture arising out of this. And we have met. I've met numerous people, and I don't want to give specifics, but I've met numerous people during the course of my role as the liaison inspector in relation to this, and. The way it has turned family lives upside down, and Absolutely. in particular, people who maybe at the outset had no knowledge that their loved one was involved in mm-hmm. any drug use whatsoever, and as as you know yourself, Keith, the generations have moved on, and drug use is much more prevalent now than it was, and there are drug user, users uh, at every age, right up in society, yeah. and within every profession in society. So it's it's an extreme problem. Some people don't see it as a big issue if they take the occasional cocaine, which seems to be the most preferred drug of, of choice. But the reality is that that 50 euro, that 100 euro, makes its way right up to the cartels, the major drug dealers. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps them going, Keith. And that's why it's extremely important that we get on top of this situation. Uh, in the last period of time, we have increased our drug unit personnel throughout the county because we're very aware of the ongoing rise in, in drug-related activity. And as such, that's why we've seen a rise in the number of detections. Which is which is good to see. We're just talking to you now, Maria Power, mm-hmm. from the Drug and Alcohol Family Support Coordinator with the Western Regional Drugs and Alcohol Task Force. For those listening to us today that are saying, sweet God, that's me, mm. what do they do? Um, I suppose... Just just before that that little bit, like we've spoken a little bit about, you know, about the intimidation that can happen, but it, mm. it, it can be something really simple as well. It might be kind of a stare as you're walking down the street or someone parking outside a family home, um, you know, to have that, that presence, you know, and, and if, if they are having that realisation, you know, it, it might not be threatening to burn my house down, but it's someone that's, that has come to my door numerous times looking for somebody that would still qualify as drug-related intimidation. Um, and 
I suppose those families with who have that realization that this is happening within my family, that they can reach out for support, that there is a drug and alcohol family support worker in each county, um, in Galway, Mayo and Roscommon, um, they can contact our service and we would um, be delighted to, to, to offer any support mm. that we can to that family. What's the best way of getting in contact with you? Yeah, so they can call me on 87 um, or they can contact me by email either maria.powers at wordatf.ie. There's also a webinar happening on the 21st of February. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be online. You can register through our website, www.wordatf.ie. Um, and Brendan will be on that as well. Um, we're really lucky to have Brendan and the other nominated inspectors within our region um, with their time, anytime we do um, do any information sharing or webinars like that, we would have a member of the Gardaí present to answer any questions similar to the information it, that we provided earlier this morning. It's important, though, if somebody is listening this morning and they're in that space where they got the call or they know the call has come in and, and mm. or otherwise, they can ring on 87 or the WRDATF. That's a mouthful, no, so it is. It is. <laughs> Even for me on a Monday morning, Tuesday morning. Uh, but again, for the details, we will put this up online. We will leave it in reception. But if somebody is affected by our conversation today, you're not alone and there's help there. Absolutely, yeah. You're the not on your own. Often family members feel, I'm the only one going through this. Who can I talk to? I can't talk to anybody. Well, there are people out there that you can talk to. Mm. And then, Inspector Carl, again, from the point of view, if well, they may contact ourselves, um, there, there is a the commissioner has appointed a, a detective inspector within each of the Garda divisions within the country who is the designated liaison inspector for drug intimidation. My number is zero nine one three three seven two two four, and uh, outside of that, they can contact any Garda station, and they'll be post confidentially through to myself or as you said yourself community Garda or any Garda that's known to them if they want to go to them in confidence they'll get the message to me and we will take it from there I, I think um, most people would know a guard, a member of Garda Shikona so if you're happier confiding in them and they can get you to Brendan or an, and to the relevant people from there but don't sit on it let today be a kind of red letter day the date for the webinar again 21st of February at 10 a.m. So people can register for that on our website. Yeah. Yeah. And if, you know, you can attend online with your screen off, with your name change, you can attend it anonymously if if you want. We will talk, I suppose, a little bit more about drug-related intimidation and the the support. The most important thing is from here, you're not alone. You're not alone. And you're not on your own either because... There's a lot of people, like-minded people there. Thank you both for joining us uh, today. Maria Power, thank you for joining us. And Inspector Carl, thank you indeed for joining us. Uh, Detective Inspector Brendan Carl, thank you indeed for joining us uh, today. Quick commercial break. Those numbers again, 87 59 are indeed for uh, Detective Inspector Brendan Carl, 91 Quick commercial break and we're back just after these. Good morning to you. Oh, very good morning to you. Welcome into today's uh, programme. The comment lines are all open. I have to give you those numbers again. And if any of you are in any way upset, concerned and or otherwise, uh, the, the um, inspector's number there, Detective Inspector Brendan Carl, is on 091 33 
And Maria Power from the Drug and Alcohol Family Support Coordinator with the Western Regional Drug and Alcohol Task Force is on 87 If you want to get in contact with them, please don't suffer in silence and please do uh, make those calls today. Now, people with disabilities continue to be treated as second-class citizens. Uh, says uh, Physical Impairment Ireland, Peter Gahery indeed, who's been on the um, programme many times, is Chair of Physical Impairment Ireland and he joins you on the line today. Peter, good morning to you. Morning, Keith. How are you? Good, thanks. Good to talk to you again. Who and what exactly are Physical Impairment Ireland? We're a group that was set up over two years ago of like-minded people, all with disabilities, that came together and we just felt that her voice wasn't being heard. Uh, with the government. So we set up a, through DPO, like it's all people with disabilities, ran by people with disabilities, for people with disabilities. So there's about 25, 30 of us. It's a national organization. Uh, so we covered the 26 counties and we'd meet with the likes of councils if we found that there was something wrong, like the likes of a parking base that weren't properly placed or a building that was after being constructed and they never contacted a disabled person's organisation in relation to what people with disabilities needed when the new building was going up, public building. So what do you mean then with the opening statement that I use there, people with disabilities continue to be treated as second-class citizens? What what do you want to change then? Because you can't change the whole world. Yeah, what we were looking at is that in 2018, the government uh, implement or ratified the UNCRPD, that's the United Nations Convention of the Rights of People with Disabilities. Yeah. But nothing has been done in the last six years. It hasn't been implemented. And in that, it gives rights to people with disabilities that they should be contacted and uh, negotiated with whenever anything is going forward. Now, anytime we contact the department, our emails go unanswered. It seems as if the department don't want to talk to anybody with a disability. They don't care about us. And I suppose the other thing there, like, you know, like the cost of living has gone through the roof and we don't seem to be getting an increase on anything that we want people with disabilities in the sense that Indicom ran a survey there a few years ago and they estimated at a cost of around 10000 it's costing a person with a disability to live for that year. Do you know, like, it's the extra costs going on. Mm. Prosthetic legs, extra medication, adaptions to cars, anything. Now, I know the government give a little bit of a grant, but what they have also done is since 2012, they have taken taken away the mobility grant that was there and they told us in 2012 that they were going to bring in a new and better system within the next six months and here we are 12 years later and it still hasn't been done you know we're told it's coming it's coming but unfortunately for me and other people like me we're living with the disability 24 7 365 so you know, like waiting and for your it. family like are as well. They're they're living with it, but I mean, there's there's one solution to this. So there is uh, Peter Gary and of uh, Aircourt. Uh, there's one solution to this. Um, there is an election in the next twelve months, and why don't physical impairment Ireland put some members forward to represent you and represent yourselves in the doll? Well, that is the thing, like what you call it, there should be more people with disabilities because there is there is very few people. Would you up there. put yourself forward? Would I you? only know of one or two people in total. 
But would you put yourself forward? Door. Would you put yourself forward? So it wasn't a fair representation. I suppose mm. if I did wrong, Keith, would you be my campaign manager? <laughs> I have enough <laughs> of problems. <laughs> but I mean, seeing as you're in retirement, thinking of retirement, it'd be a nice pastime for you, wouldn't it? But the solution is in in the doll. That's where the solution is, and the solution is to either go as an independent or go as Physical Impairment Ireland, and to put your put your name on a ballot paper and go out and ask people to support you and your members so that you can make a difference for the people you're representing today with disabilities. That's the well, solution. That is the solution, yes. But look, I suppose, like, if you take it, there's over 750,000 people in this country with a disability at the moment, right? And the last one there, with a disability and a chronic illness, it's 1.15 million people is what the uh, CSO figures that came back. So there is a huge amount of people out there. So yes, if somebody did stand and did run, you know, I think, but for the government that's there, the present government or any of them that's there, why aren't they listening to their members out there, their constituents? You know, there's a huge mm. amount of people out there. You know, that's over 22% of the population when you divide, drill down into it. That's there at the moment with the disability. 22% of their votes comes from people with disabilities. But if you take some of the independents, the likes of Michael Fitzmaurice and Sean Canney and 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 others, um, if you take Catherine Connolly in Galway, we have a lot of independents out there. Um, and if you got in, or somebody else got in, indeed, on your behalf, at least you could be knocking on the door, so you could, uh, of Anne Rabbit's door, perhaps, when she's then Minister for Disabilities or whatever happens. And you could be saying, hang on a second, we need more recognition. We need to be treated equally because it's not just you, it's your family and it's your extended family and it's 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 the community, it's everything. Yes, I agree with you, but like the UNCRPD states that already, you know, that the government, we were one of the last countries to ratify this in the world, you know, like, and that's there already, like, for the government to be able to listen to this. Now, they are supposed to go up again, the UN, uh, to talk on this, to find out what they are doing for people with disabilities in the sense of train services, bus services, everything. You know, are they listening to us, right to fair hearing uh, and everything? But the thing about it is they're not going to be up in front of them until 2026. Mm. So we will have a new government in process by then. And what they'll say was, well, it was done by our predecessors, maybe, mm. you know. So what we're looking for is that everywhere should be accessible to people with disabilities. You know, the likes of the parks, you know, uh, football pitches, hurling pitches, all year, and also that the government should be supplying us with the proper transport, especially here in rural Ireland, that we're able to hop okay. on a bus and with the wheelchair user. Now, I was also told that the Dublin City Bus brought in 20 new buses, and out of that, what we were told is none of them were suitable for people that were on wheelchairs. They couldn't access them. So it just goes down to show that if they were listening to a DPO, that they would have provided a okay. proper bus service for people with disabilities. All right, uh, Peter Garry, thanks for joining us. Final comment goes to uh, one of our listeners. He's great at talking the talk, but he should walk the walk if he's serious about what he 
uh, speaks about he should go for election uh, from there. Um, Peter, you've just put the cat among the pigeons for your family. Go back to the kitchen table and try and figure this one out. But uh, thanks for joining <laughs> thanks, us uh, today. And I won't be your agent. Thank you for joining us uh, today. Keith, the back road through the hospital is an absolute disgrace. It's adjacent to the ear clinic. There's two massive potholes and then the manhole concrete is all broken around it and the road is actually sinking. And another caller said, Keith, I think you should let someone on the council speak about these roadworks. We will put a call into Unch and Finn after today's programme and see can we get them for uh, tomorrow. And uh, Keith, we're organising a local fundraiser for the National School in Menlo School, Vrija. To raise money for a new football pitch, we would be so grateful if you could include details of our table quiz below on your radio show. Please, if there's any queries um, and to book a table that can contact uh, the school at 091-762-323 or via email skullvrija2 at hotmail.com and it promises to be an excellent evening and uh, wonderful spot prizes. I just need to get the details on that and we'll do it in the next hour. And Keith, I'm getting scam calls at 6am in the morning. How do I stop getting those calls? Because they're absolutely annoying me. You can put on your phone, which I have, which is called Do Not Disturb. So if, if it's a mobile phone, that is. Uh, you can go in and you can pick out the people that you want to be able to ring you day or night, 24 hours a day. So you know, there'd be in my situation, there'd be the family. John Morley's on it because he's nearly family at this stage. He'd be ringing me at all hours of the day and the night. Uh, and then I just put on night time, I just put it on to Do Not Disturb. And from there then, it only comes in. It only then comes in from there. So the Skull Regia um, Menlo is the table quiz, 13th of February, 2024, Menlo Park Hotel at 7pm and the cost of a table is uh, 40 euro. We'll remind you again on that also. Let's head towards the 10 o'clock news. Stay tuned for that and more to come.